Hey, everybody, welcome back to the podcast, and you can open your Bibles today to Mark chapter 12. We're just going to cover a handful of verses, verses 13 to 17 today, and this is that passage in Scripture that's actually pretty well known. If you grew up in the church or if you've been around Christians for a while, you probably are familiar with this passage where where Jesus is approached with a question about whether we should pay taxes, whether Jewish people, more specifically in his day, whether Jewish people should pay taxes to Caesar. And we're going to get into that. We're going to get into what it meant in Jesus's day, what it means for us today. But I want to start, as we always do, with you know the question that we're going to be pulling through, this thread that we're going to be pulling through this whole topic. I want to apply this to our lives right from the very beginning. Here's kind of where we're going today. Here's the question. Do you take taxes more seriously than tithing? Right? Because that's kind of what's going on here. He's 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 being asked about taxes and he ends up talking about I mean in a sense he ends up talking about giving and I'll show you why here in just a second. So let's just, you know, kind of maybe take a little bit of a census in our own lives, right? I mean, think about how much you paid in taxes last year and how much you gave last year. In fact, if you do your own taxes or if you pay any attention at all to your taxes, you probably, you know, you probably are made aware of how much charitable giving you've done in the year. The question is, do you do you think about your giving, your charitable giving, or I like to call it your giving to the kingdom of God? So that would include maybe giving to church, that would include maybe some missionaries you support, any kind of charitable giving at all. But of course, if you're a follower of Jesus, hopefully it's going toward really godly purposes, you know, kingdom advancing purposes. So how big of a line item is that in your annual taxes, right? In fact, let's talk about taxes for a second. There's an article I recently read that says that the average American taxpayer spends 33.23% of lifetime earnings on taxes. So when you consider that the average lifetime earnings of an individual, right, or of a household, I guess, is 1.5, almost 1.6 million, okay? So that means that on average, $532,910 is spent on taxes, Okay, so that's a little over 33% of lifetime earnings. Now, think about that in terms of your your charitable giving, your giving to the kingdom of God. You know, when you think about a tithe, and we'll talk about this at the end, so hang in there for the end. We're going to we're going to answer the question, is a tithe biblical? Is it biblical to tithe? We're going to get to that. We'll get to that, I promise, at the very end of this. But just in general, your charitable giving is it higher than 33%? I'm sure sh- I'm sure for most of us it's not. You know, when we think of a tithe, we think of 10%. Technically, that's what it means. Now we'll get into what it actually meant in the Old Testament and whether it's commanded in the New Testament. But I would venture to say, in fact, I'm the pastor of a local church. So trust me, I know that there's no way, there's no way that most people give anywhere close to 33%. I'm sure, at least in our church, most people don't even give close to 10%. The, the amount of people who give 10% or more in the average Christian church is plummeting. Very few people give 10% or more. And so again, I would venture to guess the answer to this question. Again, this is the question we're starting with. 
do you take taxes more seriously than tithing? I would guess that if we were being honest, that most of us would say, well, absolutely I do. I mean, I, I pay, even if you just forget about the percentage you're paying, do you, do you pay your taxes? I'm sure you do. I mean, you don't want to get thrown in jail, right? So most of us take paying our taxes really seriously. And some people never get around to giving. You know, maybe for some people, their giving is something that they do at the very end. If I've got some money left over, if I had a really good year, then maybe I'll do some charitable giving. But even for a lot of Christians, that's how they think about their giving. And we're going to see today in our lesson what Jesus has to say about that. Okay, so again, Mark chapter 12, starting in verse 13. Before we get into this, let me just make a comment about these stories that we've been covering um, so far in this passage of scripture. So we, Jesus is at the temple. He's, this is, he's on his way. This is during Passion Week. So at, by the end of this week, he's going to be hanging on the cross. And each of these stories is set against the backdrop of the opposition of the Sanhedrin. This is the, what the Pillar New Testament commentary says. So the Sanhedrin is kind of like the Jewish Supreme Court. They, they consist of three major groups. The Pharisees, we've all heard of them the Sadducees, and then the scribes. So Pharisees, Sadducees, and scribes. And beginning with this story that we're looking at today, we're going to see that Jesus is going to have an interaction with each of these three groups. So today, we're going to look at the Pharisees and their question of taxation. Next week, we'll look at the Sadducees, because in verses 18 to 27 in chapter 12, they're going to have a question about the resurrection and heaven and eternity. So tune in next week for that one. And then in a few weeks, we're going to take a look at the scribes and they're going to come to Jesus with this question on scripture. And it's a really famous question that they ask, which is the most important commandment. And so in a couple of weeks, we're going to talk about the greatest commandment. So each of these three groups, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and the scribes are all a part of the Sanhedrin. And this is the group of eventually here by the end of the week, they're going to they're gonna try Jesus. It's going to be a sham trial. And they're going to essentially say he's blasphemous. And they're going to let the Romans crucify him. Anyway, that's where we're going in the next few weeks. So let's get into the text for today. We're going to look at what the Pharisees had to say to Jesus. Mark 12, starting in verse 13, it says, Later the leaders sent some Pharisees and supporters of Herod to trap Jesus into saying something for which he could be arrested. Remember, they're just they're still trying to create a pretext for his trial, his arrest. So here's what they said. Teacher, we know how honest you are. I don't think that that was sincere, by the way. They said, you are impartial and don't play favorites. They're buttering him up, but this isn't sincere. and Jesus can see right through it. They said, you teach the way of God truthfully. Now tell us, is it right to pay taxes to Caesar or not? Should we pay them or shouldn't we? So this is their tax question, right? I know you've probably got your own tax questions. I know when tax time comes, we're all Googling stuff, watching YouTube videos, trying to figure out the best way to get out of paying our taxes. I mean, we want to be legal, right? But we want to pay the fewest amount of taxes possible without being thrown into jail. And they're essentially asking him this question because, you know, they think if he says, no, you shouldn't pay taxes to Caesar, then then they're going to say, oh, look, Romans, you should arrest him because this is wrong. 
And but but on the other hand, if he says, "Well, no, you should pay taxes," then then he's he's probably going to get into some trouble with some of the Jewish people who were frustrated that they that they even had taxes to pay. So, all right, let's get into some background here from the Pillar New Testament commentary. It says this, the tax referred to right here in this passage is an imperial poll tax. It was first instituted in AD 6. So just, you know, less than 30 years before this. The amount required to satisfy this poll tax was a denarius. Okay? So the denarius was Roman was a Roman coin. It was the average daily wage in Palestine. So think about that for you, whatever compute what you make in a day and that's that's kind of essentially what they're talking about here the average daily wage now this denarius was a roman silver coin bearing the semi-divine bust of tiberius caesar so he was the caesar at the time with an abbreviated latin inscription so here's what it read if you've ever seen one of these at a museum tiberius caesar divi augustus filius augustus which means Tiberius Caesar Augustus, the son of the divine Augustus, okay? The backside of the coin bore the image of Tiberius's mother, Livia, and the inscription read Pontifex Maximus, which means high priest. Now, the Expositor's Bible Commentary says that Jews were required by the Romans to pay tribute money into the emperor's treasury, but some Jews, like, for example, the Zealots, just flatly refused to pay it because it was, for them, an admission of the Roman right to rule. And so some of the Jewish people, especially the zealots, and I'm sure some of the people at the temple or in Jerusalem that day, thinking that Jesus was maybe going to lead a rebellion, some of the Jews didn't want to pay it because they didn't like Rome's rule. In fact, that's why some of these followers of Jesus were so interested in Jesus, because because they thought that maybe he was going to be the Messiah to lead them out from under, you know, Roman oppression, which included these taxes. And so, you know, the Pharisees are asking Jesus this question, hoping that he would say, no, you shouldn't pay it. And then maybe the the Roman soldiers are going to say, whoa, this guy's a, a rebel. This guy's a zealot. Let's arrest him. That's kind of what they were trying to do here. Now, it's not like the Pharisees liked paying it, but they were politically minded enough to know what was good for them. So the Pharisees would pay it. And then there was another group called the Herodians. Those would be the Jewish, the Jewish people who were loyal to Herod. And so the Herodians had no objections to it at all because, you know, Herod was basically just a puppet for, for the state of Rome. So anyway, there's the background. That's what was going on 2,000 years ago when the Pharisees asked Jesus this, this question in Jerusalem. And in verse 15, we see the answer. It says that Jesus saw through their hypocrisy. And here's what he said. Why are you trying to trap me? Show me a Roman coin and I'll tell you. So then they handed it to him and he asked, whose picture and title are stamped on it? They said, Caesar's. Well, then Jesus said, and here's the famous part, give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar and give to God what belongs to God. And then Mark adds, his reply completely amazed them. Now, a couple of things here. First of all, it's interesting that Jesus didn't have a Roman coin, right? He said, show me a Roman coin. In other words, he didn't have one. He, he didn't carry one. So he didn't fall for the trap, right? So he didn't even have one of these on his person. But guess who did? The Pharisees. Remember the Pharisees? 
they they were politically minded, so they knew that they should be paying this. So the Pharisees had one, and they showed it to him. So even that, I know for modern readers, we might read right past that, but even that was was noteworthy to recognize that that these guys, the Pharisees, were sort of buying into this more than Jesus was. But Jesus isn't saying that you shouldn't pay your taxes. And that's really the next thing, is Jesus's response was, look, you should, you should give to Caesar what is Caesar's. So remember, think about that po- coin with a stamped image of Caesar on it. So give that to Caesar. That It belongs to him. It's his government. It's his system. Give it to him. But then Jesus said, but then you should also give to God what is God's. Now, I, I want to I want to share a verse from the very first chapter of the Bible to help you to understand what Jesus is most likely referring to here. It comes from Genesis 1, verses 26 and 27. This is, you know, after when God is creating everything on the first day of creation, second day of creation, he creates all these things. And then finally, he says, on the sixth day, he says, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. They will reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, all the wild animals on the earth, and the small animals that scurry along the ground. In verse 27, it says, so God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. So in essence, right, Jesus is looking at this coin and he sees the image of Caesar stamped on it. But then Jesus is looking at the Pharisees and anyone else that was there listening, and Jesus knows whose image is stamped on them. They have the image of God stamped on them. Jesus would have understood that. I don't know if they would have fully understood that, but certainly that's the implication when Jesus says, give to Caesar whatever is stamped with Caesar and give to God whatever is stamped with God's image. Now that's the end of our you know, passage for today, just a few verses we're covering here, because Mark is done with the story. He just finishes that story by saying that everyone was really amazed, that, that his wisdom, his brilliance, I mean, it shouldn't surprise us. Jesus, Jesus was there in Genesis 1. Jesus has this clarity unlike anyone you've ever met before. So Jesus was asked a question that would have probably stumped us you know, if you're trying to walk the tightrope of not saying the wrong thing, depending on who's listening, right? But Jesus doesn't have any problem because he understands the principle. I mean, the fact that we are stamped with the image of God, that actually that God owns us, that we are his, that we belong to him, this impacts our relationships, it impacts our mindset, it impacts our hobbies, it impacts our finances. And that's the one that I want to focus on today. I think the implications are more than financial. But for today's lesson, I want to just drill down on financial implications. The question we started with at the top was, do we take taxes more seriously than tithing? And I think the answer for 99.9% of us listening, well, maybe not, but for certainly the majority of us listening, the answer is probably yes. If we're being honest, is yes. We do. So many, so many churchgoers have what I call a tip jar mentality. You know, the, the offering plate comes by if you do that kind of thing in your church. You throw a couple bucks into the basket and you feel pretty good about yourself, right? I mean, in essence, you give to God even less probably, forget about taxes, you probably give to God less than you give 
to the servers at your favorite restaurant in the course of a year. I mean, do that kind of math. That'll really embarrass you. Now, I'm I'm not trying to shame anyone here. I'm really not. But I I do want to challenge you. If you're a follower of Jesus, I want to challenge you on this issue of financial giving, because I think that is certainly partly what Jesus has in mind here in the lesson. And, you know, maybe we should even go back and answer this question, is tithing biblical? Some of you might be saying, whoa, wait a second, tithing's not even biblical. And you know what? I actually agree with you. We have a topic on this very question in our library at PursueGod.org. I'll put a link to it in the show notes for this podcast episode. But here's a quick Here's a quick review from that topic. So you're right. Practically speaking, tithing is an ancient is an ancient Israelite practice, and it was about supplying the physical needs of the priests and the Levites who served the nation. So if you remember the story of the Exodus, twelve tribes are are leaving, and they're leaving slavery in Egypt. They make it into the promised land, but but one of those twelve tribes, the tribe of Levi, was not given any land. Instead, what God said is, no, you're going, to be the, you're going to be the priests for all the other tribes. So they took, they took the, the, one of the tribes, they split it into two tribes, Manasseh and Ephraim. And so that made 12 again. And then they took the Levites, which was originally one of the 12 tribes. And they said, you're going to be the priests for all the other tribes. And so they didn't get any apportionment. In fact, the Old Testament says that, that God would be their portion which I'm sure that for the cynical Levite, he was like, well, gee, thanks. I'd rather have had just some land, right? But, but no, they were the ones who were supposed to serve in the temple. They were supposed to serve the other tribes. So you can go read this for yourself in the Old Testament that when the, when the other 12 tribes then would bring their tithes to the temple, a big part of that was about supplying the physical needs of these priests and the Levites because they couldn't, you know, run their own farms and build their own home. They couldn't do all that stuff. They were supposed to serve the people. So practically speaking, that's what the tithe in the Old Testament was about. But actually, the Old Testament doesn't just speak about a tithe. It actually speaks about a series of tithes or or a series of, maybe you've heard it, tithes and offerings. So if you were to add all of this up, the tithes, the offerings, all the stuff from the Old Testament that the Israelites were supposed to pay, what they were expected to pay, it was it didn't just come to 10%, which is literally what tithe means. Tithe means a tenth. It actually comes to at least 20% of their income. So when we think about the tithe from an Old Testament perspective, it's it's more than 10%, even though today very few Christians anymore think of it, think of it in terms of give, giving 10%. So if you if you ask the question, is tithing discussed in the Bible? The answer is yes. Clearly, it's all over the place in the Old Testament, and it shows up four times in the New Testament. But here's here's the second question: Do Christians need to tithe today? Like, are we required to tithe? Is it a commandment today? The answer much to the chagrin of maybe some pastors listening. (laughs) I'm a pastor, but I'm just being honest about what the Bible says. The answer is no. Nowhere in the New Testament are we commanded to give 10% of our money to the priests or to the pastors or to the church. So Christians today are not under the Mosaic law that required God's people to participate in tithing. I'll say that again. I think it's important for you to hear this, but keep listening. Don't turn off the podcast just yet. Christians today are not under the Mosaic law 
that required God's people to participate in tithing. If you want to look up some scriptures that that prove this, that bear this out, you can look up Galatians 3, verses 23 to 25. Look at Romans 7, verses 1 to 6. Look at Hebrews 7, verses 12 to 22. Look at Hebrews 8, verses 6 to 13. So we're not required to tithe, okay? It's not, if I was your pastor, I wouldn't say you have to give 10% or you're sinning against God. I don't think I could biblically make a case for that today. However, and this is important. Giving is required of every Christian. Jesus wants you to be a generous giver to the kingdom of God. That I can say without any doubt at all. In fact, here's a quick way to test where your heart is on this whole topic. Consider these three questions. Number one, am I giving proportionately? In other words, am I giving in proportion to the amount of money that I make. Now, I know some of you are going to say, whoa, wait a second, that sounds a little bit like a tithe. Well, yeah, actually it does. I do think that that being able to measure our giving is appropriate. And I always challenge people in my church to give proportionately. Here's how Paul explained it to the church in Corinth in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, starting in verse 10. Now, the context for all of this is that there was a famine in Jerusalem, and so the Christians in Jerusalem were really struggling, and the Christians in Corinth were having a better time financially. And so so Paul writes this. He says, here's my advice. It'd be good for you if you finished what you started a year ago. Last year, you were the first who wanted to give, and you were the first to begin doing it. Now you should finish what you started. Let the eagerness you showed in the beginning be, not, be matched now by your giving. And here it is, verse 11. Give in proportion to what you have. There it is. Give in proportion to what you have. He goes on. Whatever you give is acceptable if you give it eagerly. And give according to what you have and not what you don't. So nowhere in here does it say, hey, you should be irresponsible and give away all of your money. You know, you made $1,000 this week and you give $1,000 away. That's not a commandment from God. Paul's actually saying that that's not very sustainable. He's saying give in proportion to what you have. Now, Paul doesn't tell us what the proportion needs to be, only that it should be proportionate. So honestly, I think here's what that means. If you make $100,000 a year in your church, you're giving, you should, you should take on the lion's share of the giving in your church compared to the person who struggles and makes $10,000 a year. Everyone should give in proportion to what they have. Here's how I like to explain it to people for whom this is new. So maybe you're listening to this and you're starting to get sweaty palms because you're saying, well, wait, I'm a Christian, I'm a follower of Jesus, but I've never, I've never really established this discipline of giving in my life. That's okay, I don't want you to feel condemned but I do, I do want you to take away from this lesson, I want you to take away the idea that you should definitely grow in the grace of giving. That's something else that Paul says here in 2 Corinthians 8. He says, I want you to grow in the grace of giving. So 10% for you might just sound like, oh my gosh, that is so much money. That would be really hard for me to budget. So here's what I challenge you to do. Just start by making your giving proportionate. If you've never given before on a regular basis, maybe just say, if you're married, say to your spouse, let's try giving 2% of our monthly check. So sit down and figure out what that is and say, okay, let's start there. 
Because at least you're being obedient to scripture here that you're giving in proportion to what you have. It's a small proportion right now. Maybe 2% doesn't sound small to you, but but to me it sounds small because my wife and I give more than that. I'm not trying to judge or brag or anything like that. I'm just telling you, like we've we've grown in the grace of giving. And so for us, the proportion is actually higher than 10%. And so that's your goal is just to continue to grow in that proportion. So maybe this month you give 2%, maybe do that for three months and then come back together with your spouse and say, all right, let's double it. And then maybe you start giving 4% for the next few months. Then you come back after, after that period of time and you say, hey, this is working out. Let's do it again. Let's double it again. So now maybe you're giving 6% or 8%. Eventually, hopefully, you can get to 10%. But guess what? <laughs> what I just said, tithing isn't a principle that, that is like required of us. So I, I like to think of it like this. Jesus, Jesus said in Matthew 5, he said, hey, you know, if you have heard that it was said, if you, if you commit adultery, then you, then, you know, if you sleep with a woman, you've committed adultery. But what he says to them is, but I think if you even look at a woman with lust in your heart, you've already done it. Go back to that passage of scripture. Now, now he doesn't ever talk about giving or tithing in that passage. But basically in that passage of scripture, he's saying, you've heard the law, the Mosaic law was this, but then he's calling them to something better than, bigger than, more, more fundamental, more powerful than what the Mosaic law is calling for. So he says, I don't want you to just not commit adultery. I want you to even control your eyes. And so what would he, what would Jesus have said if he was, if he did say something about tithing? I think he would have said something like this. You have heard that it was said, give 10% of your income, but I tell you, give all of it or something like that, right? He would, he would have had this shock factor of saying, I want you to go, here's my point. I want you to go beyond the Old Testament prescription. We shouldn't, we shouldn't say, hey, tithing isn't biblical, and so I can only give 2% if I want to. No, we, it should be the other way around. We should say, hey, tithing isn't required for the New Testament, so that means I should give 15%, not 10%. I should go beyond the 10% or the 20% you know, from the Levites and the Old Testament system. I should go beyond that. And honestly, guys, that's how my wife and I think of it. You know, when we were first married, we gave, I mean, it was a challenge for us to do this. We didn't make a whole lot of money. We we're in ministry, but we gave 10% of our, of our income to the kingdom of God between our church, giving to missionaries we supported, giving to places like pursuegod.org. So we, we gave about 10%, but, but every year we've been growing in that. And so now our giving is over 15%, closer to 20% of our, of our income we give back to the kingdom of God. Now, that's a, lot, that's a lot of money for us. That's a lot of money for us, but we're trying to be obedient to this first question. Are we giving proportionately? And is that proportion growing? Okay, so that's the first question. The second question I think that we could ask that really tests our heart is are we giving regularly? Are we giving consistently? In other words, is it a habit in our lives? In fact, I think it's best to think of giving as a spiritual discipline. You know, think about your spiritual disciplines. Maybe you try to read the Bible every day. That's awesome. I hope you do. Maybe you really try to spend some time in prayer every day. I hope you do. That's like a, 
that's a good thing to do. These, these disciplines in our lives that draw us closer to Jesus. Maybe you go to church every week or you try to, you know, that's a discipline. Maybe you go to small group. That's a discipline. Maybe, maybe you meet with a mentor or maybe you are mentoring someone. Those are all spiritual disciplines. That's how I think about giving. Giving is a spiritual dis- discipline. In fact, let's go back to 2 Corinthians 8. In verse 7, Paul said to the church in Corinth, he said, Since you excel in so many ways, in your faith, in your gifted speakers, your knowledge, your enthusiasm, your love for, from us. So he, he's saying, look, you're growing in all these other ways, right? It's kind of like, good, good for you. Your spiritual life is trending up and to the right. But he says this, I want you to excel also in this gracious act of giving. Paul is saying to the church in Corinth, hey guys, you've got a lot of these things down. You're really good at some of these things. But basically Paul was saying, you're terrible at giving. <laughs> we have it right here in 2 Corinthians. He said, you're terrible at giving and that's okay, but I want to challenge you to get better. And so some of you listening to this, you need to hear this and apply this to your own life. Maybe you're terrible at giving. And again, I don't want you to feel judgment or condemnation, but I do hope that you feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit to grow in that, to grow in that discipline. And part of the way you do that, just like any discipline, is you try to make it a regular practice. You know, giving is an act of worship. Do you go to church only once a year? I hope not. So don't just give once a year. Maybe some of you do. You know, missionary comes into town or or even for some of you, maybe you give just one time a year, but you give a lot. You give 10% once a year. And even that, I think that's okay. If you've prayed about it and you feel good about it, that's fine. But I would challenge you to make it like an, a, a regular conscious act on a monthly basis, at the very least, maybe a weekly basis, whatever. Or maybe let, the, let your paycheck every month be the trigger for you to give. Now, that doesn't mean you can't do automated giving through, the web, through your, web, your church website or app or whatever. That's fine. But I, just, I think it's important that giving should be regular. It should be a discipline. Okay, so we've talked about giving proportionately. We've talked about giving consistently, regularly. And the last one is maybe the hardest one, but I'm going to just, I'm going to lay it on you. The last one is the final question you should ask when it comes to giving is, am I giving sacrificially? I mean, are you, are you sacrificing to give? Does it hurt a little bit? Let's go back to that passage in 2 Corinthians 8. Paul says this at the beginning of that passage. Now, I want you to know, dear brothers and sisters, what God in his kindness has done through the churches in Macedonia. So he's writing to the churches in Corinth, but he's using as an example the churches in Macedonia. And here's what he says about the churches there. He says, they are being tested by many troubles and they are very poor. Okay, there we go. There's the the setup. But look what he says next. But they are also filled with abundant joy, which has overflowed in rich generosity. So he's, he's telling the church in Corinth that the church in Macedonia is really good at giving, even though they're troubled, they're poor, they can't even afford it, but they're still being generous. He says, for I can testify that they gave not only what they could afford, but far more. And they did it of their own free will. Notice Paul is not trying to obligate anyone. Paul is not trying to um, shame anyone into giving. Paul is not trying to lay down a, a hard, fast rule because that is not what the principle of the tithe, not, 
the principle, notice I said the principle of the tithe is about. The principle of the tithe is that it should flow from within us. It should flow from our deep joy that we have in Jesus. We, we should feel honored to give. We should feel excited to give. In fact, he says later on, we shouldn't give out of compulsion. We shouldn't give because someone makes us give. So I don't want you to hear this and feel like I'm trying to twist your arm into this. I just pray that because of your relationship with God, and think about how generous Jesus is to us, that because of your relationship with God, it would cause you to want to give. That's why Paul says in verse 4 that the Macedonians begged us again and again for the privilege of sharing in the gift for the believers in Jerusalem. So our giving should come out of a place of overflow in our hearts. Maybe not even necessarily overflow in our wallets, but certainly overflow in our hearts. And when we're giving from that starting point, we're willing to be sacrificial. Here's the easiest way to know if you have been sacrificial in your giving. Here it is. Here, Just answer this one simple question. What have you sacrificed? I mean, honestly, I want you to think about that to the Christian listeners today. Have you sacrificed anything in your lifestyle, in your life, in order to give? Now, maybe for some of you big spenders, you know, there's spenders and there's savers. So just take, you know, really quickly identify which one are you. Are you a spender or a saver? Because both spenders and savers can sacrifice. If you're a spender, maybe maybe your giving, if you wanted to start stepping up your giving proportionately, regularly, and sacrificially, maybe that means you don't buy that new car you had your eye on. Maybe that means you don't buy that new house. Maybe that changes the way you think about your vacation. Maybe you, maybe you cut your cable bill down. Maybe you cancel Netflix. I mean, I don't know. I mean, again, giving biblically should be sacrificial. We should be willing to lay something down if we need to in order to give. Maybe it just means you're going to say, I'm going to stop going to Starbucks every morning and I'm going to make my own coffee at home so that I can begin to sacrifice and I can begin to give. You know, that would be a good thing, not a bad thing. That's a spiritual discipline for you to sacrifice something, give up something you love for something you love even more. So for spenders, Maybe, maybe you can start making a list of some of the things that you can give up for the sake of the kingdom of God. But, you know, even for you who are listening who are savers, maybe you savers are sitting there saying, yeah, you tell them. They should, they should give up that new car. They should give up that new house. They should give up the big vacation because you're really thrifty and you don't do any of that kind of stuff. But guess what? Even savers, even savers can miss the heart of God in terms of giving. Because just because you're a saver doesn't mean you're a giver to God. I'm going to say that again, and I hope that convicts some of our listeners today. Just because you're a saver doesn't mean you're a giver to God. I know a lot of savers who are really, really good at saving for retirement. They're really, really good at saving in terms of their investments, but they're they're poor toward God. They're rich toward themselves, toward their future, toward their investment. Yeah, sure, they don't maybe buy the newest car, the newest house, or the vacation, or whatever that, whatever. But they're still only building up their own nest egg. They're not actually sacrificing for the kingdom of God. So for you savers out there, maybe what you need to take away from today's passage is that you need to be willing to give up 
some of your retirement. I'm not saying you take money out of retirement. I'm just saying that that maybe you have just prioritized your retirement even over giving to the kingdom of heaven. Really, we can even change that opening question we started with. Do you take taxes more seriously than tithing? Now we can just fill in the blank for taxes. Do you take saving more seriously than tithing? Do you take retirement more seriously than tithing? Do you take vacation more seriously than tithing? Now, again, when I say tithing, I'm not talking about technically 10% in a legalistic sense. I'm just talking about the principle of giving that we should want to give. Here's a legitimate question to ask yourself as we kind of wrap up this lesson for today. If someone had no other evidence of your faith beside your financial records, would they conclude that you were a Christian? Would they conclude that you truly are a follower of Jesus? Would your would your financial statement have enough evidence in it to show where your priorities lie? Jesus said this in Matthew 6, starting in verse 19. He said, don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. Instead, Jesus said, store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. And then verse 21, this is really powerful. I want you to, I want you to be left with this verse straight from the mouth of Jesus. He says this, wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. Wherever your treasure is. That's why giving is so important. Even though you're not required, like in the Old Testament, to bring a tithe, man, is it still so important, the principle of giving. Wherever you put your money, there the desires of your heart will follow. That's what Jesus is saying. Whatever you invest in, whatever you invest in, you'll fall in love with. God invested in you because he loves you. He sacrificed for you. He gave up his one and only son so that you and so that I could have life. God stamped us with his image and we belong to him. So yeah, give to Caesar what is Caesar's, but give to God what is God's.